Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, three-year, 30,000-mile complimentary maintenance, and America's best warranty ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. Complimentary maintenance included Hyundai approved oil and oil filter change, except for electric vehicles and fuel cell electric vehicles, plus tire rotation, normal factory schedule maintenance intervals for three years or 36,000 miles, whichever comes first. More frequent maintenance due to severe driving conditions or conditions is excluded. Offer valid only for new 2020 or 2024 Hyundai models purchased or leased on or after February 1st, 2020. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations. Hi, Timmy Whispers here from Gimme the Hot Sauce Podcast. The two-way V4 features groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam, creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Fuel cell gives you the ultimate energy return, ensuring every step feels explosive and dynamic. Fresh foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort for the entire game. The upper construction features a lightweight textile that reduces weight while remaining supportive and breathable. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at NewBalance.com. Oh my goodness! It's only preseason, but I'm hyped Neil Falk! Jimmy G Buckets gets buckets! Oh my goodness! Give me the hot sauce! Neil Falk! Give me the hot sauce! What are you doing, Dragons? Did you not get the memo? time for a brand new episode of Gimme the Hot Sauce. This is episode 71. Joined now by the star of the show, the hardest working man in broadcasting. Stacey King hasn't been home or seen his dogs or, or been able to check the mail or anything. Stacey, how are you holding up, my friend? Uh, you know what? I'd be doing a lot better, Mark, if we were winning. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's it's, it's tough when you're on these long road trips. It's been a very long month. Uh, March is seems like we're gone every week for four or five days and uh this will be our last long road trip until um we've got one more game after this in april but we're home most of april so i'm looking forward to that but you know again it's not fun when you're not winning yeah stacy's joining us from his hotel room in cleveland i'm here at the uh, hustle and the lovely studio. cleveland yeah who George- said who, who said no one wants to come here and visit cleveland <laughs> what person said that i'm here you, you got fun plans for tonight a big friday night in cleveland no, <laughs> I'm staying right in my room. Yeah, <laughs> all because of Joe Keem Noah's comments. I'm staying in my room. <laughs> well, this is a thank God it's Friday edition to give me the hot sauce. We haven't been with you for a couple of weeks because of Stacy's travels, but uh, glad to join you. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to be joined by Joel Myers. He's the play-by-play voice of the New Orleans Pelicans. He does done NFL. He's done baseball. So we'll talk to him about his career, what's going on with Zion Williamson, and and his perception of what he saw from the Bulls in the game last night. Stacy, you know, obviously DeMar DeRozan didn't play against the Pelicans. We knew it was going to be kind of an uphill battle. Zach gave it all he could, scoring 39 points. But when he went to the bench, man, they had no offense at all. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they had a great start in that first quarter. I think they were plus eight in that uh, first quarter, up by eight at the end of the first quarter. Looked like they had turned a corner. The energy was there. The defensive rotations were there. And then the second quarter, 
they had a little slippage, which you kind of expected because Zach went to the bench and DeMar's not playing. So uh, where the Pelicans outscored him by nine in that second quarter, the Bulls were only down by one and a half. But you felt good, Mark, uh, going into halftime with the energy they played with and, and the way they were playing defense. You really felt good about the way they were coming out in that third quarter. And, um, you know, third quarter it was an even third quarter. I think they only scored like 23 points in the third quarter. But the fourth quarter was, you know, that was a disaster. I mean, you got outscored by 16 in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, that Alvarado kid came in and had a, you know, really kind of changed the game first defensively and then later on offensively. So a little disappointing with the way they played in the fourth quarter because I thought that was – I knew that was a game they had to win. They had to win that one to start this road trip off. Uh, you still can win three out of a four, you know, because I remember I said that on the broadcast at, at home. Uh, before we went on this road trip, the goal should be win three out of four games, but it makes it much more difficult now because you were counting on getting that win last night in New Orleans, and then the Cleveland game was going to be the game that was going to be a little harder out of the four. So now that's a must-win game for the Bulls. You mentioned Jose Alvarado. He was a guy, a two-way player. He fought his way to get to the Pelicans and try to contribute. And it is March Madness, and he was a big star for Georgia Tech last year in helping them advance a couple of rounds in the NCAA tournament. What did you make of that one play where he hit in the corner and basically came out of the shadows uh, to force a travel? I, I thought that should have been. A, I thought it should have been a technical on the bench um, because the bench was standing up, and he got. You couldn't see him if right. you were taking the ball out. You would assume that he was on the bench. And he was hot. He did that against, I think, the Miami Heat, but but there was no player standing up. So that that was okay in that aspect. But I thought last night that was that should have been a technical on the bench. And uh just because the bench kept standing up and he was hiding, and he's a little guy to begin with. I mean, he, he's like, like I said, Eddie Goodell. You know, he kind of reminds me of Eddie yeah. Goodell. Yeah. He was he was hiding. And then all of a sudden he comes running on and, and Caruso didn't even see him. And I don't right. even remember who took the ball out. But he didn't see him. So, obviously, he was hit pretty well. And, um, you know, it should have been a technical, but they didn't call it. He got away with it. It was, it was a good play on his part. Obviously, uh, you're traveling on the team charter, but you're, you're kind of separated from the players. And we don't get a chance to talk to players as much as we used to in the pre-COVID days. What's your sense of, of what the team's morale is like right now? They've, they've lost a bunch of games over the last few weeks. Well, I think they're down right now, you know, because they know how important these games are. They, they see the standings just like everybody else does. They see all they see Boston surging. They've run past them now. Um, you know, they see Toronto right on their heels, even though they beat Toronto a couple of days ago. Uh, Toronto had a huge win against Cleveland last night. So they're they're coming up. You know, you got some guys up here. I think there, there's a little bit of concern now, you know, what they can do and, and how they're going to do things. And, um, you know, they know every game's important, you know, and the, and the more games you lose, you know, the, the more chances you're going to be getting put in a position you don't want to be in. Right now you're in a favorable position in that four or five matchup where, you know, of course you don't want to be there. You were just number one a few weeks ago. And now you're in that four and five matchup. And so – that's a place you want to be. You don't want to go below five because after you go below five, you're going to face one of those top three teams in Philadelphia, Milwaukee, or Miami. And that's going to be a tough first-round matchup for anybody. Yeah, on Thursday night, Toronto beat Cleveland. So now Toronto and Cleveland are tied. They're one game behind the Bulls. If if Cleveland wins that game tomorrow night, it sets up a real bad doomsday scenario where the Bulls could fall all the way back to the play. And I mean, 
The beating Toronto Monday was big because you hold the tiebreaker over the Raptors now, and and this game in Cleveland probably even bigger because there's no way you want to fall back into the play-in with all the great things they've accomplished this season. Yeah, and you know, I mean, it's 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 a it's one of those situations, Mark. It's you know almost like the NCAA tournament. You know, win or go home. That's the mindset you have to have. Every one of these guys have been in that situation. They've been in that pressure situation at the college level. None of them have been in, in the, except for DeMar and, and, and Foos. There's probably three guys and, you know, Tristan Thompson and I, I think Caruso. So no more than four guys, maybe five, have been in a playoff game in the NBA. So a lot of these guys don't know what it takes to get to the playoffs. And I think that's what you're seeing right now is the experience factor. You know, guys not knowing that you can't you, – every game is different, just like in the playoffs. Every quarter is different. You know, you're going to play a different first quarter than you're going to do the second quarter because adjustments need to be made. Adjustments need to be made on the fly. And I don't think these guys who've never been in a playoff situation, I don't think they understand the severity of the games that they were in to start this run when you had about 14 or 15 games left and how important every one of those games were. Because you remember, I used to say all the time, you know, two weeks ago, you got to start having a playoff um, mentality these games, because if you lose your number one seed two and a half weeks ago, if you lost two or three games in a row, you can find yourself in the fourth or fifth spot. Lo and behold, where is this team at? The fourth or fifth spot now. And they even had, and with a possibility of going down if they don't continue to win. So, you know, they, they've got to find a way to win. They got to put all the, the negativity, you know, down and, and, and focus on each other, rally around each other, circle the wagons as, as, uh, as, uh, you know, uh, Phil Jackson would tell us, circle the wagons, and uh, it's us against the world and that mentality and, and try to turn this around. Billy Donovan said on Thursday that he did not believe the groin injury that DeMar DeRozan is dealing with is serious. He thought it was just a strain. But, boy, if he misses numerous games, they're, they're in a whirl of hurt. What are, what are you hearing around the team about DeMar's availability? You think there's a good chance he plays against the Cavs on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he could have probably played last night. You know, they were just probably putting him out for precautionary reasons. Uh, you don't want something that could be a tweak to turn out to be something that could be long-term. And this is no time of the year to have your star player, you know, missing significant time as you're battling for a playoff spot. So, um, but I feel like, you know, he's been probably the most durable Bulls player this season. Uh, for him to miss the game, um, you know, he has to be pulled out of the lineup forcefully. So, I expect him to be back tomorrow, especially since we lost that game last night and him knowing as a veteran player, knowing how important these games are, because as I said before, these guys watch ESPN, they listen to the radio, they read the newspaper, you know, they understand what, what the situation they're in. They're in dire need right now. And it's important now that they try to finish up this season strong, because if you can get through these next, these next weeks here on the road against Cleveland, New York and Washington, your chances are going to be a little bit better now because you'll have more games at home, which the Bulls are pretty good at home. Their record indicates that. It doesn't matter who they play. They're a very good home team. So you've got, you know, some games at home to finish up the season to be able to solidify your, your spot in the playoff. What are your early impressions of Patrick Williams and his return after that long layoff? Well, I mean, listen, I'm just an armchair quarterback. <laughs> I mean, I just, hey, you know what? I, I say put the kid in the starting lineup, mm-hmm. you know, get him out there. It's too late in the season to be, you know, kind of, in my opinion, to be trying to experiment with them. And it's okay. Let's get him, bring him along slowly. You can still monitor his minutes as a starter. You know, you need to get him out there, get him acclimated playing with Zach, 
with Demar, with Vooch, to find out where his niche is going to be. I think you're waiting to you're waiting to put him out there, and then all of a sudden you're going to throw him out there in the playoffs, and he's not going to have any experience playing with those guys, and it's it's going to hurt you. So I, I feel like, in my opinion, I feel like that first game, okay, you brought him off the bench, you know. Now, now it's time to put him back in the starting lineup because he gives you so much, Mark. He gives you first of all, he gives you length and size at the power forward spot, and he rebounds very well at that position. He can defend at that position. Those are the things that the Bulls have definitely needed. Um, you know, he can get the ball off the glass and, and take the lead the fast break to allow the wing players like Zach and DeMar to fill the lanes so he can handle the ball and, and, and Kobe. Those guys can get in a scoring position and transition. I think he makes your transition game go, uh, not only as a ball handler, but as a finisher on the wing. Um, and he's just another athletic body that you can switch pick and rolls with that he can guard pretty much anybody on the floor. So, uh, and if you want to monitor his minutes, you say, okay, he's only going to play 25 minutes as a starter. What's the difference? You're playing 25 minutes as a reserve and 25 minutes as a starter. It's the same. But the difference is he's playing with the guys he's actually going to be playing with when they go into war and battle in the playoffs. And I'd rather have him, you know, playing with those guys than coming off the bench and then, you know, establishing a role coming off the bench where he's the main guy. And now you put him in the starting lineup where he's not the main guy. Now how does he play? Yeah, especially in this game coming up against the Cavs. They've got one of the tallest front lines in all of basketball. Jared Allen, of course, is injured, but you still got Markinen and Mobley and, and Kevin Love and Wade. And I mean, they got a bunch of big guys to throw at you, so you're going to need another body up there to help Vooch on the boards. Well, I mean, you're just going to need all hands on deck. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you have to have your best players on the floor. You know, they're going to have their best players on the floor if they're not injured. Uh, I think Billy needs to put his best players on the floor because this is no time of the year to be holding anybody back. You know, I mean, granted, he's coming back from a severe injury, a wrist break. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you, you put, you put, you know, Caruso in the starting lineup, you know, after a few games with the, with the broken wrist and he's, you know, because of his defense and what he brings to the table, I think, you know, when you look at like, I, I'm a big fan of Javante Green's huge fan of Javante Green's. I think Javante Green is better coming off the bench playing multiple roles, not just as a power forward, but, you know, play, play Javante at the small forward position, probably his natural position, or maybe some two guard defensively come in and have him a change of pace, you know, kind of like Alvarado was yesterday where you bring in certain guys to come in there to turn the tempo of the game up to, you know, turn guys over to, you know, get some energy infused in the lineup. Um, and those guys are hard to find, Mark. I mean, those high-energy guys, we have a couple, and I think, you know, it'd be nice to see them in that role. We don't know if we're going to see Lonzo Ball during the regular season. He's kind of been shut down now. He's cut back on his running program. They're just trying to get him to strengthen that knee joint. But, boy, it doesn't look like he's going to be back before the playoffs, and it appears that other teams have kind of gotten the book on Io DeSumo. He struggled a little bit, and I know that it's up to him now to kind of counterpunch what they're throwing at him. And Billy's been encouraging him, be more aggressive, shoot the ball when you got the opening. And yes. is it a rookie wall, or is there other things that are going on, Stace? Well, I think I think there's a rookie wall, because we all went through it. I mean, after, you know, you got to remember, you know, coming out of college, you're, you're lucky if you play 35 games in a season. You know, you're playing once or twice a week, once during the week, and then once on the weekend. It's a totally different level here where you're playing three and four nights, four and five nights. Um, all of us, every player went through the rookie wall. You know, it normally hits probably about after 45, 50 games. But, you know, Io's not going to make excuses. I think the, 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 the situation with Io is, is Io is a – he's a kid that 
you know, he is trying to, he's trying to improve number one. And he's also trying to fit in and he doesn't want to step on anybody's toes. Uh, I think he's proven in his time here this year that he is going to be a very good player in this organization. And I think he needs to start playing like that. He's been, he's been that way his whole, his whole level, every level he's been at, he's proven to be the best player at that level. And it shouldn't be any different here. It's not saying he's the best player on the Bulls team right now, but what I'm saying is the confidence of being that best player at every level from, you know, middle school to high school to college, you have to have that same approach. The good ones take that same approach with them every level. And it doesn't matter who's on the team. And I think when he's aggressive, when he's attacking and he's not thinking about it, you know, Isle's a special player, especially in transition. And, you know, Billy is talking to him to be aggressive. It's, it's up to Io to go out there and be aggressive. It's up to Io to take that three-point shot. You know, those are, there's, these are shots that he wouldn't take in the beginning of the year, but then the confidence came. He started taking them and knocking them down. And now he's kind of regressed a little bit where I don't know if I want to take this shot. He's passing it. And when you have a decision for – I mean, if I'm looking at it and I say I got a decision for him to shoot the ball or, say, Javante Green to shoot the ball, I think Io's a better three-point shooter. He should shoot the ball, but he passes that up a lot. And he's just got to go back to being aggressive. We already know he's going to play defense. And I think his confidence sometimes is shaken defensively because he's got to guard so many, um, you know, top top line guards. But it's not his fault. It's not his fault. I mean, he, you know, he's doing whatever he can as a rookie. They're, they're going at him. You know, they, uh, teams know the Bulls pick and roll is not uh, – it hasn't been strong all year. And, and, you know, so he's going to see a brunt of it because he's a rookie and they're going to put Vooch in those pick and rolls as well. So they know that they can attack him as a rookie and attack Vooch, who, you know, doesn't, is not his strong point. And, um, and I think he's gotten, I think he's gotten down about that. And, uh, but he's just got to keep it, keep his head up. I, when I see him, I always tell him, you know, keep playing hard. Don't, don't, you know, don't worry about things that you can't control. Only worry about things you control. Mm-hmm. And that's your energy level and how you come out every day prepared to play. The Eastern Conference standings couldn't be much tighter. Miami's faded a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Their lead in the Eastern Conference is down to one game over Milwaukee, a game and a half over Philadelphia and Boston. Boston's won 21 of their last 24 games, which is just crazy. I I saw you on the pregame show yesterday during the crossover segment. They asked you about the uh, dust-up in Miami with Jimmy Butler. You had some strong thoughts on that, Stacey, that that Pat Riley, the godfather, may decide that uh, Jimmy's a little bit too big for his britches down in Miami. Well, I mean, I, I've been in that. It's not like I didn't. I, I have not been in that culture. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I'm a guy who just is from the outside looking in and saying, "Oh, this is what's going to happen." I played there. Yeah. You know, I saw. I saw. You know, Pat Riley get rid of Glenn Rice, who was mm-hmm. an All Star caliber player in Miami, and was Miami's face of the franchise at the first couple of weeks that he was in Miami because. You know, Glenn Rice didn't conform to the culture that was being started there. And and Glenn Rice was a phenomenal player. And Pat Riley traded him for Lonzo Mourning quickly. And everybody thought he was crazy. Um, even though you're getting a good center back, you know, you're giving up, you know, one of the best pure shooters in the game that's not even this just scratching his prime. And the reason why that happened was because the fact that, you know, Glenn, Glenn kind of resisted the Pat Riley and the he knew he culture because he had been in a culture where it was kind of laissez-faire, you know, do what you want, come, you know, play as hard as you want, when you want. But Pat Roddy came in changing that whole culture. And it didn't sit well with some of the veteran players that that played in Miami. And Pat Roddy got rid of them. And so my thing with Jimmy is, is that 
I'm a big Jimmy Butler fan. Always have been, you know, um, you know, but it, it's starting to come to a point now where, you know, if it was one place, you'd be like, ah, maybe it was a team, you know, but it's, it's been, you know, Chicago, then it was Minnesota, then it was Philadelphia. And now you're seeing it yeah. in Miami and, you know, it, every, every team can't be wrong. Every player can't be wrong. And when you see him going at Spolstra, who is one of the, the top coaches, if not the top coach in the NBA, um, and, and he was handpicked by Pat Riley. This way, right. this guy was a video coordinator and had to work his way up, and he was handpicked by Pat Riley to be his successor. And Pat Riley gives him the utmost respect. And when you go at you go at Eric Spolstra like that in public, you're going at Pat Riley as well. And uh, I, I mean, they might not do anything. They may keep Jimmy because you know he's he's a good, he's a great player. But from what I know, nah, I don't think I don't think it's going to work out. <laughs> if Pat Riley, if Pat Riley can can swing a deal that's going to make it, it's only going to make he's only going to make a deal uh, for Jimmy uh, if the deal is going to help Miami. Yeah. If it's going to improve Miami and put Miami in a situation because giving up Glenn Rice improved Miami. It gave him it gave them a, a, a true you know, two-way center and Lonzo Mourning, who's still young as well. Uh, so it improved Miami. So he's not going to give up an asset unless it improves uh, the Miami Heat. So, but don't think he's not going to be that he's not on the phone and 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 uh, checking that that possibility out. Yeah, it was interesting watching that whole dust up. You know, Udonis Haslam got involved too, and he's kind of on that team at 40 years old just to kind of patrol the locker room and make sure things aren't get out of control. And he was ready to fight Jimmy, and, and the lip readers caught Spolster saying to Jimmy, what, you want me to fight you? I mean, that got pretty yeah. ugly. I mean, Spolster didn't back down. He went at him. He followed him out of the court, and that got pretty pretty heated. Mark, let me tell you something. Though. That's not the first time that's happened. It's the first time I think that, that you know, you see it live as a fan or, mm-hmm. or people on the outside during the game. That stuff happens in practice all the time. I mean, there was times I wanted to fight Phil Jackson, you know, but that never spilled over on a bench in public or and or out where anybody else could see it. You know, there's there's fights in practice. I mean, there you're starting to hear about a lot of the fights that happened in practice through the last dance. You know, Michael punching, you know, Will or or, or punching uh, Steve Kerr. Right. You know, but a lot of that stuff you never even heard about back then because guys didn't do it in public because we were professionals. You know, what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. What happens in practice stays in practice. And nowadays with social media and, and, and everything, and guys can't wait to get to to tell the story on Instagram or Twitter or something, you know, the news gets out. And, and to be honest with you, that wasn't an isolated situation. There's been some things brewing in Miami since Jimmy's been there that hasn't set well with a lot of the, like, Udonis Haslam and players. And so that kind of spilled over. And then when you when you question a player like Udonis Haslam and you say something about, you know, sh- shut up and, and you know, you don't play and sit your, you know, sit your blankety-blank down and, you know, and a guy who's well-respected, a guy who's well-respected in the organization, well-respected in the city of Miami because he's a Florida kid, a Miami kid, um, a guy who whose his career is based off of hard work, sacrifice, and teamwork. Um, you go at a guy like that. It's like me going to Bill Cartwright or John Paxson, a veteran guy who you know, even though we're young and we're you know, we feel like we're better than those guys. You know, that's disrespectful, right. and you can't do that. And Udonis is one of those guys you don't do that to because, like he said, I will beat your ass. And he was not. <laughs> that was that was not like I'm talking tough. Uh, Udonis Haslam, everybody in this league knows, is a tough dude. And that's why you don't ever see anybody messing with them 
are messing with him uh, because he's the first one. Uh, he's that. He's that. He's that soldier. He's not the general. He's the guy on the front line, and he'd be the first one. And you see, he was the first one to protect Spolstra. A lot of the other guys were kind of like you know trying to you know keep the peace. Yeah. But it was Udonis Haslam saying, "Hey, you're not going to talk to our coach like that. You're not going to embarrass him like that." And he had a good point. You know, I mentioned the, the tightly packed Eastern Conference standings. It's going to be fascinating watching the last week to 10 days, all these teams sit in stars to try to avoid playing Brooklyn in the first round because now Kyrie Irving yeah. is back. He's a full-time player, and the, the Nets are probably going to finish in seventh place, and they'll have to play Toronto in the first round in, in that play-in situation. But no team out front, whether it's Miami or Milwaukee or Philadelphia, Giannis is going to be sitting and Bede's going to be sitting. No one no one wants Brooklyn in the first round. Well, I tell you what, nobody wants Toronto either. Those are the two teams that yeah. nobody really wants to play because Toronto is, is – they're healthy now. They, they defend. They've got a lot of – we saw them the other night. they got a lot of, like, length and depth. Um, and they're they're one of the teams that had struggled a little bit early, and now they're starting to pick it up a little bit at the right time, getting everybody back. And yeah, Brooklyn is going to be scary. You know, I don't know if they're going to have Ben Simmons. They would be much more scared if they right. had Ben Simmons, um, because after watching you know Memphis the other night play Brooklyn, uh, Memphis didn't even have John Morant, and they they beat them. So they're beatable. Are they scary because the, the both those guys are capable of scoring thirty or more? Right. Yeah. But where where's the third where's the third score going to be? Who's going to be that third guy? You're missing Joe Harris, a guy to give you consistent outside shooting for anybody that's going to pack back in the zone. Uh, you know, uh, Drummond has been playing really well for them. That was a great pickup for them. Seth Curry, uh, he's rebounding. Yeah, yeah, and, he, and he's and he's setting screens and rolling to the basket, scoring a little bit. But let's be real. I mean, where where's that third guy going to be for them? That's going to you know. When those other two guys can't score, they're having difficulty scoring. Who's that guy's going to step up and say, "Boom!" Is it going to be you know Bruce Brown? You know he's a he's a you know he's a guy that gets you like hustle points. Well, Curry's but, been know, out. I, th- I think they've been missing him. Seth Curry has been out. Well, yeah, I mean, but you know, even even that, Mark. I mean, you got a guy who's been out for a while. You know, I mean, you know, shooters need timing and rhythm. You know, you just can't come out there and just be like, "Well, I'm a great shooter," and then I'm just going to make shots. You know, you're going to go through a stretch where you know, you've got to get your rhythm and timing. And you and, and you got to remember, Curry hasn't really played, you know, with Kyrie Irving. So you you got to you – that's another dynamic on top of a dynamic because here right. you've got a guy who's a ball-dominant guard and you're used to playing with guys knowing where, to, where you want that pass at, where you – when you come off the screen, where you want the ball. And you haven't had any chemistry with him. That's going to be a little bit difficult for them. But I, I, I see what you're saying, but I don't think – I don't think Boston fears them. I don't think, you know, I, don't, I think Boston right now, to me, is playing the best out of anybody in oh, the yeah. conference. Um, their defense is locked down. Um, those two forwards, Brown and Tatum, are are literally just destroying people. And now you got Marcus Smart being the old Marcus Smart, and they bought into, you know, the system defensively. And that's why they're the – that's why arguably they're the best team since the All-Star break. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, Phoenix wrapped up the number one overall seed with their win last night, and, and they're just rolling. I mean, Chris Paul is back now. Man, I, I don't know. If any, I don't know if anybody's beaten Phoenix this year. They're they're the real deal. And you know, I, I made this comment the other day. I was talking to a friend, and it was like, you know, when Chris Paul was out, Jay Crowder set out against us the other night. Uh, so and, and Cam Johnson set out. So three of their you know top end players set out. 
And the guy said, well, you know, what was the difference? Like, how come you guys couldn't beat them? And, you know, why are they so good? And it's, it's the old adage is that they got more better players than you do. Yeah. Okay. And so when you look at their roster, um, everyone on their roster can play from the, from the number one guy to the 12th or 13th man on that roster can play. And most of their guys on the end of their bench can start for a few teams in this league. And that's the difference. I, I, cause I played on a team like this where if your bench is better than the other team's bench and your starters are better than the other team's starters, how are you going to lose? Yeah, I know. You're not going to lose because as soon as you sub, as soon as you sub your subs in, if your subs have starters, quality players that are starters, and they're going against a, a team that bench may have one good player, the rest of them are, are decent, we're going to beat you every single time. The more quality depth you have, that's why I say it's important when you're putting a team together, is that when you go down that roster, if someone is missing or sick or whatever, can the ninth or tenth man fill in for two weeks and you don't miss a beat? That's how you know you got a great team. That's what you got in Phoenix. You got Chris Paul miss a game. You throw campaign. Yes, the campaign. The the what do we call him? The tank general or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The tank yeah, commander. The tank, yeah. general, the tank commander. But look at him now. Yeah. You know now he he is a quality point guard. And you know uh, you look at some of these other kids off, off that team. You know I mean you know you got. Cam Johnson was really playing well before he got Cam Cam Johnson's playing well. You got, you know, uh, JaVale McGee coming off the bench playing well for him. A guy who used to be on Shaq to the Fool. People laughed at him and all the stuff he did. Now he's a great quality big man, gives him good minutes off the bench. So you go down and look at every roster. And I always tell people, go to the playoff team. Forget the bad team. Go to the teams in the playoffs. Look down their roster and find out, do they have one through 12 that can actually play? If you got one through 12 that can actually play, you got a pretty good chance to go deep. Well, one team that's trying to scratch their way into the Western Conference playoff field, the New Orleans Pelicans. They're currently 10th in the standings, which means they would have a spot in that play-in tournament, and they'd play the Lakers in the first round, which would be pretty interesting. We'll we'll get a read on their team from Joel Myers, their play-by-play broadcaster. But before we go to break, I want to tell you about our good friend Jeff Vukovic. When it comes to insurance for your auto, home, and business, make sure you always reach out and contact the king of insurance, our friend nationwide agent Jeff Vukovic. He's at jeffvuk.com. That's jeffvuk.com. Stacy, how are the Golden Pipes in Cleveland this afternoon? Nationwide is on your side. The king never disappoints. Even at a Zoom hookup in Cleveland, the king delivers. And if you have any insurance needs, make sure you contact our good friend Jeff Vukovic. And coming up next, we'll be joined by our special guest. It's episode 71 of Give Me the Hot Sauce. Joel Myers in the Sriracha Waiting Room. Welcome back. Episode 71 of Gimme the Hot Sauce. We would like to welcome in our special guest this week. He is the play-by-play voice of the New Orleans Pelicans. You've heard him call the NFL on NBC. He's called baseball. I saw in your bio you've done soccer. You've done it all. Joel Myers, the great broadcaster, joining us. Joel, thank you so much for being our guest this week. And I know you saw Stacy yesterday. That was a that was a tough loss for the Bulls. The Pelicans, even without Brandon Ingram, and of course Zion's missed the whole year. Those guys play hard, don't they? Yeah, they're they're connected to Willie Green. I give the coach credit and his staff because there's chemistry finally, guys, with this team. But at the same time, as Stacy knows. If you guys have tomorrow, it's a totally different story, too. <laughs> so exactly 
kills the Pels every time. And I wasn't surprised last night over his previous three game against the Pels. 38%, what, 38 points a game over the previous three, hitting about 60% of his shots. Guys, I really appreciate watching Zach Levine. As much as all the years, DeMar DeRozan and Stacy, you know, uh, my son was a teammate way back one of DeMar's, so I'm not objective about him. He's an amazing young man and a, a future Hall of Famer. Now, you know, watching the game last night, I came away very impressed that, you know, the Pelicans, they, they didn't give up. You know, that first quarter, we got off to a great start. It looked like we were just going to kind of roll through. We had like an eight-point lead. And then all of a sudden, the second quarter, man, they just it just kept fighting. They kept plugging away. You had some good contributions from a lot of your young players. And I was really impressed with the way they played last night. Well, the young players are the catalyst now. It's funny you bring it up because – the young guys like Herb Jones, 35th overall. And then Ray Murphy starting to get some run. Jose Alvarado wasn't even drafted. Um, yeah. They energized the program. You know, Willie has given them the opportunity, but it's a short leash too, and they know it. So they're taking it very seriously. I love the way these young guys, and Stacey, you see it firsthand. These young guys are very professional now. They know it's at stake. They know how much is out there for them to gain economically, a generation of money. And uh, they come to the office pretty, pretty serious when they get into the facility and they're all there regularly and they all want minutes. And it's really the competition's very healthy now inside. And I don't know if it was that way when I got here 10 years ago. Joel, what do you make of the whole Zion situation? I know everyone from the outside is trying to read into what he's doing. He hasn't really said anything publicly, so we're all left to interpret, kind of read the tea leaves. Uh, we saw him with the video with the between-the-legs dunk the other day, which was spectacular, and yet you know, he's, the read is he's not going to play again this season. Do you feel that he's going to make a commitment to the Pels long-term, or is this going to be one of those situations where he may try to force his way to a bigger market? No, I, I truly believe he's happy in New Orleans. Now, he's got to be sound. He's got to be healthy. So with that said, I think both parties have to sit down, very similar to what Joel Embiid had in Philadelphia, because Joel wasn't on the floor all that often early in his career, and they were very cautious with him. And that's where the Pels have been. Zion's health is priority. It's first and foremost, because of the big picture, he's 20, 21 years old. That's it. So uh, you're looking long-term with Zion. You're not going to rush him back. He's got to, between the ears, be sound because that's half the battle. You can come back and, you know, they ramped it up a little bit and then he felt something, so you pull back again. But I think he's happy in New Orleans. It's a good locker room now. It's it's all of a sudden now there's chemistry. And Griff and a lot of people have said, and Griff and Trajan have done a very good job, the front office. Uh, a lot of people say, well, three coaches over the last three years. Yeah, but they got it right. And you guys know how difficult it is following, well, Phil Jackson in Chicago and how many coaches trying to find the right fit and a guy that connects with today's player, his locker room. The one thing I, I saw last night we were, when we were walking to the bus and we were talking about this is the acquisition of C.J. McCollum. I've always been a C.J. McCollum fan in Portland. I thought, I thought with him and Dane Lillard, you know, they had been one of the most explosive backcourts over the last, you know, eight, ten years. And – here he is now getting a chance now to come to a team where he can kind of get out of Dame's shadow a little bit and, and basically come on a team where he's a more of a leader, uh, a guy that can lead by example and still can go out there and get you 30 points. And I think with the combination of Brandon Ingram and then you got, you know, Devontae Graham, who I'm a big fan of his too, the way he's worked himself into being a very good player. And you get right. Zion Williamson back, 
oh my goodness, you know, Valanciunas, you guys got a, a team that could cause some cause some major noise in the next few years if everybody can stay healthy. Yeah, the, I'm glad you brought it up, and I maybe I should have started with CJ McCollum because it, I'll use the word stud. Does nobody ever says, boy, he's a stud? He is though. He's a bright, articulate young man. There's a reason, guys. He's the president of the Players Association. So he is such a bright, sharp guy on and off the floor. He gets it, period, at 30 years of age. And also, he wanted to come to New Orleans. You know how much that means to a small market. When a guy, yeah. I want to be the leader of this young locker room because Brandon Ingram's only 24 years old. That Everybody's under 24 on that roster for the most part. So C.J. McCollum comes in. He's a mature 30-year-old. He's got great perspective. I didn't know him. You know, it's like you, Stace, when, when you see a team, uh, maybe in the con- your conference three or four times a year, you don't get to know the players. You admire their set, and you may have casual conversation with them, but you don't live with them. You don't have breakfast, and you don't go into the dining room with them like we do. So that's in a short period of time, because it's not that many. It's 17 games now. He's played for the Pels, averaging 27 a game. Career highs across the board in these 17 games for C.J. McCollum. But what he means as far as guys looking up to him and respecting him, that is seriously significant for a young locker room. He's been, he just had food trucks out on the parking lot at the facility. Now remember this, the Bensons feed everybody every day that works for the Saints and the Pelts. And we have like a junior high cafeteria between the two. Great facility. One side, Saints, all the fields, their facility. And he just wanted to thank everybody for being so gracious and being so warm. Wow. Him. So he had pizzas, he had tacos, he had food trucks out there for everybody, both staffs. And they're already, the cafeteria is open anyway, but he just wanted to show his appreciation. So that's the kind of guy he is. They brought in a quality person besides a hell of a player. How interesting will it be if we get a play-in game between the Pels and the Lakers with Anthony Davis returning, of course, the longtime Pelican star? Uh, it will show, I, I think, the, the resilience of your group and a chance to play against a, a big-time opponent. It's got to be wonderful for this team's development long-term. I don't disagree. And uh, it'd be really nice, Mark, if the Pels hosted that play-in game. Right. That one. <laughs> It'll also be, <laughs> I want to see the referee assignments that they had 24 hours before, but it'll be a lot of fun. This city is, if you look at TV ratings, believe it or not, over the last couple of years for the postseason, and it's ABC slash ESPN and then Turner, of course, uh, TNT and then NBA TV. If the Pels, the New Orleans market has been top three the last two years in postseason viewership. See, the base is ready to explode. And there was electricity in the building last night. There was only yeah, it was. 70% of the building filled because upstairs wasn't full. Downstairs was basically full. So they're getting getting with it. It's been frustration since a guy like Anthony Davis left for this market. Like, if you don't want to be in, because this is a unique place, maybe the most unique city in America. If you don't want to be in, get the you-know-what out. And that's the way New Orleanians feel. So it's a real good situation right now because now you all of a sudden, like Larry Nance Jr. played for the first time last night, couldn't wait to get here. Tony Snell's happy to be here. You guys know Tony Snell. Yeah. What a quality young guy he is. So uh, it's headed in the right direction. This is what Griffin Trajan wanted to do when they got here three years ago, and it takes time. But it's finally starting to evolve in that direction. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, th- I think that when you when you get organizations that show patience 
and then, uh, you know, go through the bumps and then you start to reap the rewards. I think you're seeing that with the Phoenix Suns. You know, the right. Phoenix Suns a couple of years ago, you know, they go into the bubble, you know, and they go 8-0 and look very impressive. And then they go out and get a Chris Paul the next year and they haven't looked back. And I, I think when you start to look at these young teams, Memphis, uh, you guys are going to be in that same kind of situation. We've got a few teams in the Eastern Conference, Cleveland is like that. That right. they're they're starting to show patience and letting these kids develop instead of giving up on these kids after one or two years, and they're starting to reap the rewards. Right, and a lot of you developed them, and now all of a sudden you didn't have the patience. You let them go. We can go down a list of guys, and now they're killing somewhere else after the first three four years in your organization. But you weren't fully invested, even though you developed for somebody else. So. If, if you look at some of the teams in the West, you brought up Phoenix. They're going to eventually have to get a lead for Chris. So, But he's good for a couple of years, the way he's playing right now. But Mikhail Bridges is one of my favorite players. Don't look at the box. Yes. How much he impacts that situation there. Aiton, like Mobley, those guys are only going to get better. I feel for you guys because Mobley's in your division. So, <laughs> And then, you know, I loved what Cleveland did earlier in the year. When they had Jared Allen, they had Mobley, they had Lowry Markman out there, they had that monster baseline, and, and Kevin Love, they could put four close to seven-footers on the floor in this day of pace and space and greyhounds. I thought it was just great imposing what you want to do on someone else, execute, and see how they adjust. So uh, there are a bunch of teams right now. Memphis, how good is Desmond Bainman? Fifth overall, oh, 21st, man. Brandon Clark. You can go down the list. So there are certain teams, even in Dallas, because they invested in a couple of guys. I'll give Mark Cuban credit. You know, they invested in Dorian Finney-Smith. They developed Maxi Kleba, like uh, uh, Dwight Powell. And it's paying off because now they have the generational talent, Luka, and he's going to make everybody better like Jokic in Denver. Look at the way Jokic has elevated everybody. So, it, you know, you guys are in a big market. In New Orleans, you know, everybody here's kind of got a chip on their shoulder. And it's kind of fun for all of us. It's like, yeah, okay, give us give us some time. It'll all work. <laughs> and Memphis, they're way ahead of schedule. Hey, speaking of big markets, we mentioned that uh, you've had a fantastic career. You spent a long time with as a, the voice for the Lakers. What are some of your favorite memories or maybe a story you can share of Kobe Bryant and Powell and that, that group that won a couple of championships? Well, Kobe, period. You know, yeah. eight years with and, and to watch one of the most graceful, elegant athletes I've ever seen in any sport. And the dedication. People don't realize he'd get to the gym, he'd get to the game five hours ahead of time because he wanted to shoot before anybody walked into the building. So all Kobe, basically. You guys got Powell a little bit yeah, later. Yeah, we did. How good a person. We were lucky. The NBA was lucky to have the Gasol brothers. Those two guys are that mm -hmm. good. Any organization. You know, you have to be, and you're elite enough, Stacey, play the highest level. You have to be elite to get into that 450. But then yeah. after, then how do you impact everybody that's around you? Uh, and the guys in Europe, we've got Billy Hernan Gomez now and and uh, Jonas Valanciunas. Guys are mature. They're great teammates. They, they are, want their teammates to succeed. Watch benches and see if they're enjoying the success of their teammates or are they looking like, man, that's going to cost me minutes. I'm not going to get as much fun as I thought. And you can tell a lot about the dynamics of a team and whether or not they appreciate when somebody else succeeds. So uh, uh, we've been very fortunate here in New Orleans now. We've got those guys. 
The Lakers had that previously. Uh, Mitch Kupchak is doing a great job. Lamelo has you know transformed, and, and Mitch was there when I was there. Uh, now he's the head of Charlotte for for Michael Jordan. But they've done a good job. They've drafted well. It's player evaluation, and you guys are finding that out. Although you jump started yours, but you were gifted. You were gifted Zach Levine for Jimmy Butler. That worked out well for Minnesota, didn't? It? Yeah, it did. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, yeah. for Minnesota. I no, Zach Levine. I really do. He is some special talent. And I've just read an article in the last couple of days, comments by Zach talking about his Olympic experience and how much it meant to him yeah. to be a guy that also challenged him, that elevated him on and off the floor as a professional. So uh, from a distance, and I don't know Zach, he's Bruin, and I did the UCLA games a long time ago. Uh, I really like what you've got there as the face of your franchise. When you, you know, last night, you know, you had the situation in Miami uh, with Spolstra and, you know, Jimmy Butler and, and Udonis Haslam. You know, we're all from the outside looking in, you know, and, um, and we saw that. You know, and I, I was telling Mark earlier, you know, because I played for Pat Riley when he first came to Miami, when he first, you know, brought the, the heat culture there. And so do I have a little bit of the inside of, of how that works on the inside? And, um, you know, I think a lot of people were really caught off guard by that. But people who know Jimmy, you know, it's starting to become a trend. You know, everywhere he's gone, there's some kind of friction there. And uh, so the question is, you know, how long will it take before Pat Riley says, hey, you know what? It's not worth the trouble, you know, right. and I, I don't, I really honestly just knowing what I know, I don't think it's going to be very long because they have established the way they want to play, like the Patriot way, the Spurs way, they got the Miami Heat way. And I think they've established the way they want to play. And if you're not on board with what they're trying to do, then you're going to, they're going to get rid of you. Well, and I was, here's the, the interesting part of that all usually, and we've seen it, but usually it's two players on the same team. It's not the coach. And then after they got into it, and then Udonis was taking the back of his coach, then Eric Spolster went back at Jimmy a little bit. And you can see Jimmy's body language from that shot from behind was like, hey, come on, man, chill, okay? let's We're over it. But it's interesting you bring it up because it's not about this is the greatest game because that's why we love the Warriors, beautiful basketball. It's not about isolation basketball. It's not about you. Kyle Lowry was a really good young guy. He went down there for Jimmy Butler, godfather to his child. He went down, and it's almost like, I didn't sign up for this you-know-what. You know, when guys go into a locker room, they go, oh, sign up for It's like when Gary Payton and Carl Malone came to the Lakers, 0304. I didn't sign up for this you-know-what. So, yeah, that's it's a real – it's an interesting situation, but at the same time, Stacey, there are serious numbers at his age next to his name for the next three years. So I know there's always somebody that's going to, there's always one guy, but to move that contract is going to be interesting as well. Hey, Joel, we've got a couple of really good young broadcasters in the Chicago market, Adam Amin and Jason Benetti, yes. who do multiple sports. And you are kind of the king of that, doing football and baseball. You know, people think that for a play-by-play guy, well, yeah, he just shows up and does it. They don't know the hours of preparation that go into getting ready to call a game. Can you share with our audience the the challenges of trying to do multiple sports and doing them at the elite level that you have, have always done and Adam and uh, Jason are doing now? Well, it's, it, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up with the three majors. And then hockey came into my life because I'm a St. Louis Blue. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, But we finally got a cup a couple of years ago. Right. I went back for the 
conference finals and the Stanley Cup finals. And I had been in my hometown for about a decade because you're busy at home. And after your parents pass, it's not like you go home as often. So yeah. I St. Louis for that. God was it great. Uh, but to your question, the advice, uh, preparation is everything. It makes no difference. And I, I read an article a long time ago when Kirk Gotti was living and he talked about growing up loving the majors, the three sports. I fell in love with golf too. And I live on the golf channel, but you know, baseball, basketball, and football. And I fell in love with basketball more than anything else growing up in St. Louis, believe it or not, because I had an eight year old brother, eight, eight years older than me, my brother, he took me to all the St. Louis Hawks games and I, Bob Pettit blew me away. Right. I didn't even know what was going on. He retired in 65, but I watched this guy was Elmo Beatty and Paul Silas and Bill Bridges and Jumpin' Joe Caldwell at the end of Bob's career. Lenny Wilkins was our first round picking 60 out of Providence. And I can go on the list of guys that played with Bob. And now I, fortunately, I get together with Bob every couple of weeks for dinner. But just preparation. If you care, like the night before we played you guys, Stace, but first of all, I watched your Bucks game. But I watched 11 games the night before because there were 11 games on the league pass. So I would imagine the guys that have a night off and baseball is a different animal. That's 162 right. in a hundred days. That's it's you forget where you are when you wake <laughs> up. In the baseball is wild. I give those guys a lot of credit. I couldn't do it. Uh, my last year in baseball was 2002 and went to the LCS with the Cardinals. And that was it. And I, but I was honored because I got to work with Mike Shannon. And then when it came to football, I learned a lot by my partners because watching all 22 on Saturday in an NFL facility, get in on Friday night, go to the facility, just do your homework for anybody that wants to do all three major sports, just go in prepared. It's like anything else. It's like a lawyer. He's got his brief ready, doesn't he? So we're no different. Just do your homework uh, tonight. Get ready for the Spurs tomorrow. Lakers on Sunday. Right. I'm on the power. Wow. That's impressive. That's impressive. So, so give me your opinion about the, the NBA 75, you know, because there's a lot of discussion about certain guys who should have been on there, didn't make it. And, and, and what's your, what's your, your impression of that? Because, you know, you've been around the game a long time. You've seen a lot of these great players come, um, you know, what's your impression of that? Well, I, I didn't disagree with much, believe it or not. And I'm glad that they remembered the guys that excelled in their respective eras. See, that's the thing. All these people are saying, well, he deserves it or he deserves it. He shouldn't be in there. Yeah, but he competed against the best in his era and he excelled. He was superior in his era. Nobody, as a coach told me a long time ago after an NBA season, and we're very fortunate. Whatever, hey, there were no college teams on this game. So these guys, and, and when Bob Bennett played, there was only eight teams in the wow. NBA. So there was wow. eight teams who were 10 guys and sometimes – they let guys go. The, the owner thought he was losing money because he saved a paycheck or two. So they didn't travel anybody. Trainers, what trainer? So you had intense, fierce competition. I think they got it right for the most part. You can always go back and say, yeah, but who are you going to insult? Right? Yeah, right. Playing in that decade. So I, I actually think the league did a really good job on that. That's an interesting point, though, that you said that, you know, when you when you compare, you know, each individual, was he the best in his era? You know, that that's that's a good take on that, because, you know, some of those guys who played with only eight, you know, eight teams, you know, 10 teams right. or whatever, 
they were the best. Like I'm, I'm a big right. Bob Pettit fan. I, I think Bob Pettit could have played in any of these eras. There's a lot of guys, you know, Pistol Pete and these guys that could right. have played in this era. Oscar Robertson, you know. So it's, it's, you know, you hear these young guys like, you know, everybody thinks Dwight Howard should have been on there, you know. And I, and I'm, I'm, I'm a Dwight Howard fan. You know, is he a Hall of Famer? Yeah, but is he a top seventy-five guy? I don't know because or was he right. the best player in his era at his mm-hmm. position? You know, and that's what you that's where it comes down to. And I and I, I agree with you on that. Well, I agree with you on Dwight Howard a little bit too, because I, I like Dwight. He's gonna go into the Hall of Fame. But did he his game grow the way we all thought it was going to, the way he started with one down and four out with that great team in Orlando for Sam Van Gundy, those three, four years. And if anything, it, it, it leveled off. You know, we always yeah. talk, uh, how much upside does he have to his game? Or is he flattened out? Is that the best you're going to get? And he's been yeah. for a long time. So his numbers sent him to the Hall of Fame, defensive players of the year, multiple times. And, and you can go down the list of things he's done. But top 75s, as I, I agree with you, completely different story. Hey, Joel, before we let you go, uh, our viewers that are enjoying this on YouTube can't help but notice the background behind you. It is a thank God it's Friday edition of the Give Me the Hot Sauce. If you're going to pour us a drink, if you're going to reach behind and pour us a little cocktail, what, uh, well, what, would you, uh, what would you pour for Stacy and myself? Well, first of all, it's Stacy's, so it's going to be a magnum. It's not just going to be a 750, okay? <laughs> it's going to be a double, okay? Whatever Stacy, and by the way, whatever Stacy wants, it's his world. There you go. Okay. He's a friend, <laughs> and I appreciate his friendship. So it's his choice. I, and, you know, he, he can take me down to the post and beat me. <laughs> Anything you want, Stacey, it's yours. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that, Joel. Joel, Joel. Joel is a great guy. Man. I always love catching up with him. We did serious activity together. And, yeah. And, and that's how, like, I, we had a really good rapport that I really enjoyed working with. He's, I call him the voice because there, there's only a few voices left in this game that – like they're very distinctive. Like if you didn't see Joel, you hear his voice and you'd be like, I know that voice. Absolutely. You know? There's not too, there's not too many people with that voice, you know, and, they, and I and yeah. him, there's Neil Funk, there's a Johnny Most of the World, Chick Hearns. These guys have this distinctive voices that you don't even have to know who they are, mm-hmm. but you know that voice and you go, I know that voice. And Joel's got the voice. He's one of the last ones left. Oh, thank you. You know, usually they say, I remember that bum from somewhere. When they, <laughs> did I wait a minute? Did I see you in the paddock at Santa Anita? No, that wasn't. <laughs> well, Joel, we really appreciate you making this time, making time for us today. One of the great voices, as Stacy mentioned, in, in the history of broadcasting. We enjoyed your work in the NFL, Major League Baseball, basketball, and as you mentioned, you're a big blues Eva, fan. Go sleep. Yeah, that's right. So, thank you so much for joining us on Give Me the Hot Sauce, and for all our guests, we always Stacy has a signature hot sauce that we're going to send you away. You're in New Orleans, so yes. you can compare it to some of the best down there, alright? Yes. Yeah, yes. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Joel. Be Come, safe, brother. Good luck. Thank you. Coming thanks. up next, we're going to talk a little football on Give Me the Hot Sauce. Keep it right here. Good job, Joel. 
Joel Meyer is a fantastic guest. I know longtime NBA fans, really fans of any professional sport, know that voice. I'm sure they enjoyed listening to our conversation with Joel. We mentioned we're going to be sending some hot sauce this way. Stacy's been on the road. He forgot to pack his uh, hot sauce read. I know he could do it by memory, but we're going to make sure we get this right. So if you like hot sauce and barbecue sauce, so you're listening to the right show. Give me the hot sauce as the best small batch organic sauces to spice up your kitchen. Chicago-style red sauce with a garlic twist. Our St. Pat's Verde green sauce with extra avocado and cilantro. And our King's Q, a bold, spicy, and sweet sauce just like the king himself. Use code HOTSAUCE21 to get 21% off your first order. That's HOTSAUCE21 for 21% off. Go to GiveMeTheHotSauce.com to place your order. We have T-shirts, mugs, and other swag, too. And, Stacy, we got a bold new flavor that the folks can enjoy, don't we? Yes, we do. It's not out yet. Not out yet. Okay. Not out yet, but it's coming. It's just super hot. The people wanted some hot sauce, real, real hot hot sauce. Right. We amped it up a little bit. (laughs) During the taste test, DJ Pavel, was yeah. uh was hurt. He was hurt. He's internally hurt. That's how hot it was. But, but he provided <laughs> he provided valuable research for us, though. Yes, yeah. he was a lab rat. He was a lab rat. We tested it on him. Uh, we found out that he can only tolerate so much uh, heat, and so that's how we knew which one to actually put on the market. Okay, because we had Pavel doubled up over the over the trash can. Yeah. He had to go to the bathroom. He was sweating like a. Like a slave in the hen house. We got him, though. We got him, baby. So, yeah, he's got the rifles loaded. He, he still remembers that day. He's ready to shoot me. Yeah, he's ready to I shoot know. me. Look at him. He's ready to shoot me. I'm not even in the, I'm not even in the Tarachi studios. He's ready to shoot me. <laughs> hey, let's talk a little NCAA tournament. Three of the four top seeds are already out before the Elite Eight. As I mentioned, we're recording on Friday. The Kansas Jayhawks are playing Providence tonight at the United Center. But how about Gonzaga and Arizona getting beat on the same night? That was crazy. Hey, listen, I, I, I've been saying this the last few years. With the one-and-done rule, it, it makes the college basketball parity even now because what's happening is is you're seeing these programs like Houston, um, you know, Villanova, who are keeping their players three and four years and have, getting all that experience in the tournament. So when the tournament rolls around, they're not phased by the one-and-done pressure compared to a one a one and done freshman. Mm-hmm. And so you're starting to see it. You know, teams are starting to lose games that you thought, you know, oh, there's no way in the world Gonzaga is going to get knocked out with all their talent. And they, you know, they go to the, you know, they go to the final four. I think last year they went to the final four. It's amazing how good that program has been, Mark, for them not to have won a national championship yet. I mean, yeah, that's, it's that crazy. Is, I mean, that is crazy. They've got the most, I think I saw some today they had the most number one seeds. Uh, in college basketball, next to my Oklahoma team, we had we've had a, quite a few number one seeds and not win a national championship. You know, ESPN didn't need to say that. No, they need to drag us in. They need to drag us into that. Okay, that was uncalled for. Okay, <laughs> we were, I live in I live in what what have we done What have we done lately? Okay, and right now lately, Gonzaga ain't winning. There was no yeah. need to bring Oklahoma in that mark. There was no need to do that. No, their their comments did not go unnoticed, right, Stace? It did not go unnoticed. <laughs> I, I, I am not ready to send an anonymous little uh, text to ESPN today for that for that little lousy comment. But uh, with the way college basketball is now, and uh, you know, I mean, Duke almost got beat last night. They had to fight, you know, and come back to beat Texas Tech. Um, you know, they were down seven points. You know, late in the game, they had to come back and win that game. But um, the NCAA tournament, that's what makes it so special, man. Yeah. Um, I think everybody's bracket is busted. 
Oh, if there's anybody, be. if there's anybody out there right now that their bracket is still alive and it's, I, I commend you on it because then you, you, I need to bring you to, to like to win a lottery ticket or something because there's no way in the world, no one thought St. Peter's was gonna was gonna be where they are today, you know, in the Elite Eight, you know, and and uh, Sweet Sixteen, and they got a chance to advance. They're a pretty yeah. good basketball team, right? They they are a really good basketball. Yeah, team. they got I mean, Purdue tonight. They're not a typical number fifteen seed. Mm-hmm. So don't uh, if you, if they go out today and uh, teams think that they're gonna just overlook them, uh, I'd be careful if I was them. Yeah, you mentioned Gonzaga, and and they should have won it last year. I mean, they were undefeated going into the championship oh. game, and they lost to Baylor. And Jalen Suggs was such a good player for them. And watching that game last night, I know you were you were broadcasting, so you didn't get a chance to to watch it. But they're slow, Stacy, with Timmy, yeah, and and, yeah. Uh, and the other big kid. I mean, they, they, Holmgren. yeah, Holmgren. They, 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 the they, they couldn't change ends of the floor. Arkansas, you know, it was like the old forty minutes of hell. They they were just yeah. running and gun on them, and and Gonzaga had no answers. Man, they should have won it last year with Suggs and Kispert and that and that crew man if they didn't win last year I don't know when they're going to do it well and, and I, I've said this even at the pro game when you get like these big guys on the floor that like last night New Orleans was in the Bulls had a lot of success last night pushing the ball in transition and and not allowing those guys to load up defensively uh when they do that they're good and it's no different at the college level we've got a seven footer like Holmgren who's a pretty good athlete he can move but, uh, you know, the other kid, um, what's the other kid, Timmy? Yeah, Drew Timmy. Timmy. Yeah. Timmy. <laughs> yeah, so he's a big dude. I mean, those guys had a hard time in transition. You know, yeah. when you get out, you got four or five guys on the other team, Arkansas, spreading the floor. And then what happens is, because the college game is like the NBA game now, they switch everything. It's not even fun to watch defensively. I really like the way Baylor last year played defense. Baylor got after you. That's why Baylor won the national championship because they were able to lock down people. All this switching and switching bigs, taking small guys, small guys taking. I hate that defense. I think it's lazy defense, but that's how everybody's playing nowadays. So uh, what you're going to see is like a team like Houston who can defend. Yeah. They're they're the Baylor this year of college basketball because they defend the half court better than anybody in college basketball right now. And Kevin Kelvin Sampson always has a good defensive team. And his little time, we talked about it, you know, earlier, his time spending in the NBA, being an yeah. assistant coach and then being a head coach, he saw things at the NBA level that will work at the college level. And so he brought it to Houston. And they, this is their second, this will be their second straight Final Four trip if they, you know, you know, yeah. if they get there. So um, that's impressive. Yeah, I was in Pittsburgh last week for that that first and second round games, and Houston beat Illinois. And all the wow. Illini fans, you know, they're they're a big follow here in Chicago. So many alumni in the Chicago area, and they're all complaining. How do we lose to Houston? Well, damn, Calvin Sampson's got those guys <laughs> playing defense like you wouldn't believe. And Stacy, they're missing two of their best players, including their leading scorer Marcus Sasser, who helped them get to the tournament last year. He's out. One of their top reserves, a kid named uh, last name Mark, is out. So. They're missing two of their best guys, and and Arizona was never even in the game. They were up a double figures most of the night. Listen, defense travels. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter if it's the pro the pro level or the college level. If you're a good defensive team, you have an opportunity to do well in a, in a one and done tournament because you'll get a team per se that can't score against tough man to man defense. And you saw that Arizona. You saw that with Illinois. Um, they couldn't find ways to get the ball into uh, uh, Cockburn. Yeah. Um, the ball comes in. They collapsed on him. He didn't know what to do. He's right. not a good passer out of the post. 
Therefore, you're not getting wide open jump shots. If he's a better passer, those are threes. Those are wide open threes for Illinois. And, and Kelvin Sampson knew that he wasn't a good passer. So therefore, hey, let's let's make him beat us with him reading the defense and finding the open shooter. Because he's, he's you know, you would think that he had seen that before. But obviously, he hadn't seen that kind of pressure. And, he, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't knock down open shots, and that was the difference. Yeah, this is wide open now. Don't sleep on Houston. They could, they could steal uh, the, whole, the whole shebang. Yeah, it'd be interesting yeah, if, they, if, uh, yeah if, they could. If Coach K gets one more before he retires, that'd be quite a story, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, that's what they're playing for right now. That's the yeah. one motivation Duke has going for them right now is that those young kids do not want to go out. They lost the, they lost to North Carolina at home, his last home game. Uh, they didn't win the ACC tournament for him. And so this is their last shot to try to win something for Coach K. And that would trump over everything that they lost this year with Coach K. The ACC tournament, losing to bitter rival in North Carolina at home in, in, in Cameron, uh, Cameron Arena. And then to win a championship, that would just like make everything go away. So they're playing with motivation that way. They want to send Coach K out uh, in style. And uh, they were down, they were down Texas Tech seven late in the game. And then, and you got to remember too, they're playing with a lot of freshmen. And the one thing about Duke's freshmen that I really like is they're very unselfish. They've got, they've got, Duke's got about three or four first round picks on their team for one, one and done players. And they play very well together. They're very unselfish. And this time of year, Mark, what you see with the one and done players is, is that they know they're going to the league and this is my time to show out. Right. This is my time, the marquee. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take shots that I didn't take during the year. I'm going to do things that I didn't do when I was playing during the regular season. So now you'll see those guys try to do too much. But one thing about Duke's players, they're playing within the system. They're playing for something bigger than the national championship in themselves, and, and that's their motivation. Yeah, and Joel Myers was saying earlier that the networks don't want the Lakers in the play-in. Well, the networks want Duke <laughs> in the national championship yeah. game. They they want yeah. Coach K all the way to the all the way to the yeah, final they game. Yeah, definitely, they definitely that's for ratings. You know, yeah. Duke, Duke is you know, I mean, this is this is the, the arguably the greatest college coach next to John Wooden. You know, so uh, this is his last go around, and Duke has Duke has been a staple in the NCAA tournament. And this is uh, something that I think that they know everybody wants to see just for the sentimental value, you know, the one shining moment. They want all that. And yeah. They want Coach K in that. So uh, trust me, the powers that be, the the eye in the sky, whoever's in charge yeah. up there, yeah. is going to be make it happen. So Eric Musselman and the Arkansas Razorbacks, they're going to be Woo! feeling like it's eight against five on, on Saturday night. So that'll be interesting to yeah, watch. But I'm going to tell you what, though. That, that, I'm going to tell you what. Do not be surprised if Arkansas wins that game. Oh, sure. Do yeah. not be surprised. Yeah, I like Musselman, this one. I'm telling you something, man. Musselman, he's another guy that spent time in the NBA. He coached in uh, yeah. Golden State yeah. and Sacramento. Did his dad coach you when you were in Minnesota, or was he gone already? No, he was. He, my first my first year uh, was with the Bulls when he coached Minnesota. Okay. He was the, he was the, he was the first coach in when Minnesota. They, yeah, when they first uh, came in as an expansion history. team. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. So he was a pro, but he was – he was a good coach, hard nosed. Yeah. Uh, Eric Musselman is a great college coach. Great college coach. He's got that Arkansas team playing with a chip on his shoulder. I was listening to him uh, last night after their win, and every single one of them said about the Gonzaga game that he said they they all said they're like you know we got a chip on our shoulder. Yeah. They, and it was eighty six percent chance Gonzaga was going to win that game. Right. Gonzaga's right. dancing in the warm up line, you know, not <laughs> taking them seriously, and you know that that kind of stuff, Mark, that that motivates people, man. I yeah. Mean, 
that puts people in it, it gets people an attitude. Like, okay, we're going to show you. And they play defense. They're very similar to Houston. Right. With the way they play. They play a fast tempo game. They have great guards. And the most important thing in, in, in the NCAA tournament that I think gets lost a lot, Mark, because there's so much talent out there, is guard play. You got to have good guards in the NCAA tournament. That, that is one of the reasons why Michigan struggled like they did. If Michigan, if Michigan has a better guard, mm-hmm. a point guard, Michigan probably goes a lot deeper than what they did. You know, they got exposed yesterday uh, without having a guard. The guard play was not very good right. in the tournament. And they barely got out of that first game when they should have lost in that very first game of the tournament. They should have lost. Yeah. They ended up beating, uh, winning that. But uh, guard play is so important. So be watching from, from this part of the tournament to the Final Four. His guard play is going to be important. Yeah, and I think Houston will beat Villanova in that regional final tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know, Mark. I don't know. I like Houston, but I don't know, man. Jay Wright has that that's that team, Villanova, playing, always playing good in a tournament, man. They yeah. that, that Gillespie kid, that yeah. Gillespie kid is a is a gamer, man. Like he is a he hits big shots. Um uh, the way they came back yesterday against Michigan, um, you know, I mean Michigan was had control of the game for a little bit, and then at the end, you know, Gillespie and these guys start making some shots. They yeah. play hard, they never give up. Uh, they're from Philadelphia, man. I mean, that's there's a lot to say about that. <laughs> hey, last thing before we uh, wrap this up, uh, the quarterback roulette continues in the National Football League. Matt Ryan, the longtime Atlanta Falcon, got Woo! traded to the Indianapolis Colts. That'll make them an interesting squad. So the Falcons needed a quarterback. They signed Marcus Mariota, who's been a backup for the last couple of years. And then the big move, of course, the Cleveland Browns, shocking everybody they got baker mayfield the former sooner on the roster but they trade for deshaun watson stacy he had a press conference today that went on and on and on obviously he didn't answer most of the questions people wanted to hear because of uh, legal entanglements but boy I, I, most likely with all these uh, civil suits hanging over him he could miss part of the season they're going to probably have to either trade or cut baker Boy, they've invited a heap of trouble, and they gave him the richest contract any quarterbacks ever had. What do you make of that whole deal? Well, I tell you what, he made out like a bandit, and you know, and again, you know, we don't know all the right. the ins and outs of the cases. All we know that there's a lot of cases pending, and and I guess you know, two got thrown out, and uh, over the last you know last few weeks, um, so that's a good sign for him. But there's still other cases going on. Um, it's to me. I mean, listen, if it was one or two people, you know, that were making these accusations, that's one thing. But, man, 20-plus people, so there's got to be some truth somewhere. I mean, you know, you hope it's not. But, I mean, like I said, if it had been one or two people, you go, okay, maybe he didn't do it. Maybe they, maybe that was some situation where they were trying to extort him. But, man, 20, there's still 22 cases. That yeah. means there's 22 people out there. And they all got the same story. And it's not like they all know each other. It's not like they all like they're working for a company. And it's all right, guys, this is what happened to Sean Watson. These are all different people from different areas, different states. And they're all saying the same thing. So, you know, like I said, wherever there's smoke, there could be a fire. It's going to be hard to it's going to be hard to to discredit 22 people. Like, you know, you might be able to discredit some of them because some of them might have jumped on the bandwagon. Oh, it's soon. I'm going to get involved. And the attorneys, you know how attorneys are. They always want to get, hey, did, did he did he say you had nice hair? If he said you had nice hair, oh, we can sue him. You know, th- there's attorneys out there like that. So there could be some cases like that. But, man, that's 22 people. And Cleveland is taking a big, big risk. 
it's a high reward. High reward. I mean, it's a big risk, high reward. If he gets out of this, out of this legal trouble, and he's able to play football and able to play for you next year, he's a talent that is that can win you a lot of games and possibly put you in position to win a Super Bowl. Because if you look at that Cleveland Browns team, they got a great defense, which that you need that to be an elite football team in the NFL and have a chance to win championships. The Rams proved that. Uh, you know, Green Bay, all these teams that have won Super Bowls in the past have had great defenses. And he's got weapons around him that can that can elevate his play as a quarterback. And then he has the ability to be a game changer with his ability to manipulate the pocket, to be able to move around and buy time with his legs. So you're getting a franchise quarterback, but it is a big, big risk, high reward. Um, I don't know. And then you still have Baker Mayfield, <clears throat> who you drafted number one on your roster. So what do you do with him? Do you try to package him up for some picks? You know, how, what team out there needs quarterbacks? Because most teams now have addressed their quarterback issue. Where, where would he go? I mean, Yeah, you'd you know, have to trade him it. for pennies on the dollar now because exactly. most teams have their quarterbacks. Maybe Seattle exactly. after trading Russell Wilson to be interesting. I mean, that, that, would be, that would be the only, I mean, that would be the only place um, that, that really needs a quarterback right now because I think, you know, I don't know, the quarterback they have there now is unproven um, since Russell Wilson's gone to Denver. So now you put yourself in a situation, you know, they need a quarterback, but is he a guy that you want? Because there's something said about Baker Mayfield. Hey, I'm an Oklahoma guy, and he's an Oklahoma guy, and I like Baker Mayfield. Don't know him personally, right. but I hear a lot of stories about him. There's something about his personality that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, that they are so quick to write him off as a number one pick. I mean, they the season wasn't even over. They are already talking about trading. You know, and then you got the situation with Od- Odell Beckham. You know, I don't know if you ever saw the video, Mark, where Odell Beckham's dad uh, made a video of how many times Baker Mayfield missed uh, yeah, Odell yeah, Beckham yeah. in the, and you know, when he was open, mm-hmm. because Baker Mayfield had made the comment that he's not open, he's not getting open, he's not getting separation. So Odell Beckham's father videotaped the whole season of every game and put it out there to show people where his son was open, wide open, and Baker never looked his way. I don't know if it was a personal thing between the two. But, you know, when you got a talent like Odell Beckham and you can't get him the ball, there's something wrong there. And then yeah. so then you start then you start to see other players talking about him. You know, Duke Johnson, who played there, was a running back for there uh, for, you know, the years that he was there with Baker Mayfield. He had something to say about it. Um, you know, there's a lot of people now that are speaking out on Baker Mayfield that, you know, maybe he wasn't the leader that he said he was or he portrayed on the outside. Got Hollywood with the commercials. Uh, you know, and I mean, it, it says something that they got rid of him that quick for a guy who's got a, a major case pending and is not guaranteed that he's going to be able to play this year. That's a big risk. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch. The offseason has been incredible for the NFL, and it's just going to continue. We've got a long way to go until we get into the mini camps and then the reporting to the regular training camp in July. Say How about so- the Bears let Allen Robinson go? Oh, no. <laughs> Come on, man. He's with the Rams now. He's in a better place. Why? Why? My American voice. Why? They got to give my man Justin Fields some weapons. They will. There's still time, oh. Stacey. Bears. Oh, no, they're killing me. I saw you side with the Rams, baby. No. no. Oh, Justin Fields, I feel your pain, baby. Don't worry. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm try to get you some people, baby. Uh, on, on Madden, 
I'm trading everybody. I get all the topics. I get Cooper Cup on our, on the Bears team. I made all these trades on, on Madden. <laughs> Don't worry about it, baby. On Madden, you got all the weapons. All right, Stace. Well, you're taking care of them on Madden. That's that's the least you can do for them. We're going to let you go. Enjoy your night in Cleveland. Hopefully the Bulls with a big win on Saturday. As you said, they needed to get three out of four in this stretch, so they got to win the next three. Yeah, they do. They do. They got they got their, they got their, uh, their hands full. But you know what? Listen, at the end of the day, it, it's all about mentality. You got you to have that mentality. You know, you got to have playoff mentality. You understand what you're playing for. You know what's going to happen if you don't take care of business. And it's, it's a simple, like I always say, it's a simple game. It's a simple game. Go out there and handle your business one game at a time. Go out here and get in the playoffs and then let the chips fall where they may. All right, DJ Pavel, time to wrap it up. Let's Stacey, do it, DJ Pavel. has got dinner with uh, Joakim Noah coming up, hanging out in Cleveland tonight. So. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. No, he ain't out. Hey, we, that, dinner, that dinner's over Zoom. He ain't in Cleveland. He ain't in Cleveland, brother. <laughs> the great Stacy King joining us. We're glad to be back on Give Me the Hot Sauce. We'll have a brand-new episode next week. Stacy will be back off the road. We'll get back into the studio. Our guy Tim has, a, has some personal things he had to take care of today, but he'll be making his lewd comments for you next week so we can look yeah, forward to yeah. that all right stace <laughs> all right mark be good brother drive home <laughs> 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 <laughs>